Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cricket and the King podcast, the podcast where Jesus is the answer to everything and we are constantly expanding on that point. I'm your host Ben and today we're going to be talking about sexual sin and the mindset of the world amongst other things. Mostly I just talk about stuff that I've had conversations with people about or things that have been on my mind lately and uh, this is one of those things. So let's get into it but first let us quote a scripture because we can't really talk about things in the context of what God wants without bringing up the Bible at least a few times. So there's verse, I can't remember where it is, but it says, let there not be a hint of sexual immorality among you, even a hint. So what does that mean? What is sexual immorality? Well, that is uh, sexual sin. Sexual immorality is anything outside of God's construct for sex, because sex is great within the context of what God designed it for. And that is a covenant bond thing between a husband and wife. And biblically, this is stated pretty clearly several times. So, why am I bringing this up? Well, I had an interesting conversation with somebody who has had different perspectives and is slowly um, trying to figure out what they think about this topic. Now, I feel like the Bible makes it abundantly clear, but throughout history, there have been lots of people that come up that try to explain new ways or reasons why sexual sin isn't actually sexual sin, or you could have many partners and still be within what God wants, or you could, I don't know, have like 15 wives, Old Testament style, and and that's just like, you can't argue that point. The most recent argument I heard was that they're saying that the interpretation of the world uh, oh sorry wow that's jumbled the interpretation of the word homosexuality in the bible is not uh i think it's arcetikoya is the word they're saying is misinterpreted which is literally koya is where we get our word coitus and that obviously means what it means and then Arcida is man, so it's like man-bed is the interpretation, and so they're like, well, that just means pedophilia and being a pervert with little boys in terms of, like, ancient Greece and Roman stuff. But that's an argument from silence, because we know, Old Testament style, uh, I mean, so Christ is the fulfillment of the law, right? It doesn't mean that he changes God's heart for people. And we know clearly that in Leviticus, there are laws that are against homosexuality. And, you know, you can say, yes, new covenant, but lying is still something that that isn't supposed to enter our lips. Murder is still something that we're not supposed to do. In fact, Christ upped the the uh, I guess, aggressiveness of the law when he said, you know, the law says do not murder. But I say even if you think or hate your brother, that's murder in your heart. And, uh, and so we, we can't take these, the new covenant argument and apply it to human sexuality or the, the way that God has designed things to be. I think the interesting thing about this particular mindset is that people pick, specifically uh, younger Christians, not younger Christians, but people who are, let's say, under 30, over 15, they have, they decided that the church hates gay people, or that that's a special kind of sin. 
Now, that is not true. All sexual sin is sexual sin. It's just like a fact of the Bible. And it says that none of it is acceptable. When it says sexual immorality, it means all sexual sin. So that's, Jesus says it, looking at a woman with lust in your heart, that's sleeping with somebody outside of marriage, that's sleeping with somebody who's not your spouse, that's, and by sleeping with, I mean having sex, just so I can't be misquoted or misunderstood. Um, that is, uh, it's, it's all sexual sin. It's not like the paradigm is like, like being gay or lesbian is like this epitome of sexual sin that's so far beyond straight sexual sin that the grace of God can't reach it or that we have to find excuses for it because we're just in a new modern era. It's, it's all the same. It's all at the judgment seat of Christ. It's all brokenness within human sexuality. Somebody being straight and being in sexual bondage to pornography or sleeping around or uh, lusting after people or I don't know any kind of sexual sin. It's not, they're not in a better place than somebody who is trapped in homosexual lifestyle. They are still trapped in sexual sin, and they still need freedom through the grace, the supernatural empowerment of Jesus Christ by accepting him as their Lord and Savior. That's just a fact. And it's an uncomfortable fact for a lot of people, but it's never going to be comfortable. I think, like I said, people that are younger, they have these these ideas that, oh, it's different now as opposed to you know, back in the Roman times, arguably they were way more sexually devious in those times than they are now. And you say, well, it's because of Victorian oppression or blah, blah, blah. I say, you say like my listeners are a bunch of like sexual deviants arguing for, you know, horrible, whatever sin in their life. But that, no, I'm just saying there is, there is an argument that says, oh, the Victorian repression created a bunch of angst and dirtiness about it and blah, blah, blah. And yes, there was probably some unhealthy demonization of women and sex in general and a complete misunderstanding and probably a lot of medical mishaps that came through that misunderstanding. And I'm not saying that the argument doesn't have nuance or, or to some extent isn't valid. What I am saying is that the sexual sin of back in the day is going to be equivalently sinful in the eyes of God as it was back in the day. And no matter how much society or culture changes, the standards of God, objective truth, which I've talked about on this podcast before, it's truth that can be found without gray zone, that holds true. And so I think it's interesting that we're trying, I say we, uh, but I'm not necessarily part of this group, but I see a lot of believers trying to justify the way the world is to make themselves fit into it in a way where there's no opposition. And that's just not the way it works. It's just not how you're you're going. It says in the Bible that people will hate you because of me. And it's not that they hate you because you're a bigot screaming in the face of people that they need to repent and deal with their sin and blah, 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 and being all horrible. Yeah, sin's bad. Yeah, you should, in love, um, which, again, I've spoken about this, if you can't talk to someone from a place of love, you're probably talking to them from a place of judgment, and that's definitely not uh, not the place you want to be in. You want to be communicating from a place of love and seeing their value in Christ, saying, like, that's wrong. That's not 
who you are. That's not where your identity lies. And, and I think for sexual sin, because sexuality in our culture anyway is it's the most prevalent form of sin and and honestly like with the internet like what is it like 50 percent of the internet is pornography or whatever like this insane amounts of of uh sexual deviancy and and normalization of that deviancy in our society and uh (laughs) and you you can't you're you're not going to be cool when you're a Christian and it's not going to be like your perspective is super awesome. Like there, the world's just like, yeah, that's the best way to go. That's how it's, that's how it's got to be, man. And it is how it's got to be, but that's not what people are going to say. People always want to justify their own actions and they always want to feel like they are in the right and they don't want to come under condemnation. And we know that when you submit yourself to Christ, you know, now therefore there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus because he sets us free from sin. He doesn't empower us to sin and then cover over it with grace. He frees us from the bonds of sin as we walk with him in faith and grow in our salvation. So <laughs> we need to realize that that's not going to be cool and that the problems of today are the problems of the past. They're going to be the problems of the future. And as Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. No amount of arguing uh, about what Greek words mean or trying to find interpretations that suit your worldview uh, is going to change what God thinks. And to, to be frank, trying to find what you want is exactly what uh, it says in the Bible when, when people will... F- try to find teachers that teach what their itching ears want to hear. If you're like just trying to validate your worldview and not entering into a place of humility before Christ and saying, show me whatever you want, I will submit to what you have and what you think, and I will submit myself to your leadership. And then coming out with the answer that he gives you, that he provides you, you're you're sitting... You're not following the Lord. You're not submitting yourself to lordship. You're simply finding what you want uh, to you want to believe. You're you're validating your own viewpoint. You're sitting in an echo chamber of your ideas. And I guess the argument could be made like, well, Ben, you have this hard up perspective, but the the hard up perspective that I have, I believe, is biblically based. It's very hard to argue otherwise. And no matter how far back you go into the ancient languages, the literature on it is super clear. And the historical context of all sexual sin is very clear. The Bible talks about sexual sin lots. And and there's a ton of um, examples where it's just not okay. And even if it's straight, like there's a, Paul goes on a whole rant about uh, in the, I think it's the Corinthian church, like a dude is sleeping with his father's wife and they're like, they're like, look at how tolerant we are. Look at how cool we are with this sexual sin. We're just so accepting. And Paul's like, dude, what are you guys doing? That's not okay. That's not what we stand for. That's not what Christ paid for. Like you got to get rid of that. You can't have that. Um, and you know, that guy probably wasn't 
um, really looking to be confronted. He probably wasn't like, oh yeah, this is great. They're going to confront me and bring me closer to godliness. It's like, no, they have to have an awkward conversation about, hey man, that's uh, that's not in line with the teachings of Jesus and we can't have this and, and you need to really repent and think about what you're doing here. Um, that's not a comfortable conversation and it's not a cool conversation. It's not like, oh yeah, come to my church that serves super cool lattes and coffee and they talk about surface deep issues it's like no no offense to churches that do that like i'm sure they're leading people to christ and whatever but the the you cannot be cool when when you talk about sexual sin in the context of our current society and i don't think in any society because people want what they want they want to be selfish they want to be entitled to their own sexual desires. They're ruled by the flesh, you know? Their gods are their stomachs or their desires. Uh, that's part of what Paul says. And and uh, we, we're freed from that. We are able to find freedom from our own, uh, I guess, essentially human fallen human nature through the empowerment of Jesus Christ. And that's what it is, is not just not just a freeing of us from the human nature, but it's empowering us to our true nature, what we were designed for, which is profound relationship with God and Jesus Christ living within the confines of the design he gave us. And, and that is where we actually find the most life. So anyway, another, uh, another offshoot of this, like I was saying, it's, it's a wanting to be cool and saying how, Another argument with the sexual sin, sorry, I'm reading bullet points, so that's, I'm trying to stay on track while, while moving on to the next point and not rambling too much, but the, uh, oh, oh, my daughter walked in the room, I gotta pause, I gotta pause, alright folks, she just wanted a, a change of jammies, yeah, there's a sock on the couch there, that's great, okay, anyway, uh, <laughs> the importance of perspective, so, <clears throat> I've been reading a book called My Utmost for His Highest. It's like a devotional book from 1820 or something. Yeah, written by a guy named Oswald Chambers. It was in Old English. They kind of vamped it up so it's in more understandable English. And something that I've found really hilarious is that the problems he talks about within the, the walk and the Christian faith are very similar to problems that are faced today. Because, <laughs> I mean, I think that the problems don't really change. We're all selfish. We have a human nature to contend with, and and we all need to submit to Christ. And those are the issues that we deal with every day. And we we need to have a bit of a larger perspective, I think, than just whatever time or whatever the core problems of the time we're living in are. I think that can really help us in our understanding of what's going on and how we can be impactful um, for Christ, which I think is simpler than we think. We, there, we don't have to mold ourselves to fit the context of what society's talking about. We have to, you know, come out and be separate, like the Bible says, and just preach the gospel and love people. And that's, that keeps it simple enough that no matter what, no matter what society's talking about, no matter what debate is going on, uh, no matter what the new hip craze is, we're able to stay consistent and and consistently just be preaching the gospel, Christ, the importance of Christ crucified and Him as Lord and Savior over our lives. 
So uh, another thing that I wanted to bring up was the unfairness of life because the unfairness of life, I think, plays into sexual sin a little bit, especially when people talk about, well, why, you know, why is somebody same-sex attracted or why is somebody uh, a lesbian or feel like they're a woman or whatever, and, and you're just saying, well, that that must be natural. That must be their natural state. But everybody struggles with different things, and it's not like everybody starts out in the same place. And I've talked about this before. There might be somebody that is born into a wealthy family that has every opportunity, and then somebody born into the slums, and their parents are alcoholics, and they have no opportunity. Do those people start in the same place? No. Is that fair? No. Is that the way it is? Yes. It's it's not. We don't get to pick our starting place or the things that we're dealing with. And the unfairness is something that Christ... I believe in his goodness accounts for, but we're all held to the same standard because the same, the same empowerment and the same love through God, uh, by, by God for us is available. Um, and we don't need to be mad that life isn't fair. Sometimes bad things happen and there's not a lot of justification. I'll give you an example. I bought a truck recently. I rolled my truck off the highway. I'm alive, thank God. That's very fair. I saw another, or I'm very happy about that. I saw another person that uh, was probably dead, and their car was rolled similarly on the side of the highway. And is that fair? You know, that my truck slid off the highway at 100 kilometers an hour, rolled, and I'm totally fine? No. Uh, is it fair that I lost my truck, that I won't be able to drive it, and that it's gone? <laughs> Sorry, pardon me. <coughs> that it's gone forever? Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, <laughs> but I'm very blessed. I have this eternal perspective that worse things have happened to people and that life is simply not fair. And, and I am blessed to know Christ to uh, be okay, to be alive. Money's just money, and the Lord is going to work it out. And that's the perspective that we're able to have and empowered to have through Christ. And and it's, it's not fair, and it, there's not necessarily a reason for it. You can't justify it, but it's the way it is. But we know in Scripture, the Bible says that we will have troubles. And you know, the, the tr- troubles is a general term. You know, troubles could be financial troubles. It could be um, uh, struggles you go through psychologically. It could be, you know, physical troubles like wolves trying to eat you or something. Um, it, it could be any number of things, but, you know, he has overcome the world. And we also have the scripture that God works all things to the good of those that love him and are called by him according to his purpose for them. And and we know as believers, if we've accepted Christ as our Lord, that he loves us, that he calls us uh, to be his kids, and we're called by his purpose for us in our lives, as long as we're walking with him and submitting to his lordship in our lives constantly. So with that, I kind of wanted to go briefly over... Uh, the story of Job, because if anything, if you're going to point to any amount of unfairness, Job's like the money. Also, as a side note, like a funny side note, it's spelt job. Like, I don't, I've, 
because I grew up in the church and the Bible and <clears throat> always hearing Job as like a, you know, story and a name, when I look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, Job, but it's Job. Anybody who came in from the outside and looked at it would be like, that's Job. It's the story of Job. So anyway, for any of you out there that thought that for a long time, feel free to email and let me know because that's hilarious. It does definitely say Job. So the story of Job, Job has everything stripped away right? He's a good guy, but the devil comes and takes everything away, crushes him physically, ruins him financially, and Job still chooses to worship God. And then in the end, everything's restored. But I think perspective in that story is tough because I've talked about the story of Joseph before, how we don't really have proper perspective because the story's told in just a few short chapters. It's kind of similar in Job, other than the fact that there's like 30 chapters of random dialogue with his friends it goes by pretty fast this whole job had everything taken away things were horrible then suddenly kablam job has everything back but there's like a long period of time you know it takes a while to have more children and to build another life and that's (coughs) oh excuse me that is what job did uh, is he, he continued to worship God. He continued and God, God called him out after he was like, listen, I'm righteous. And God was like, Hey man, how do you, you don't know how things work. And Job's like, sorry, man. He continued to worship God. He continued to respect God. He continued to, uh, follow the, the commands of God and God honored him and gave all the stuff back plus more. But it doesn't mean that Job didn't suffer. It doesn't mean that Job didn't lose half of his wealth and everything he had worked for up until that point. It doesn't mean he didn't feel the loss of his children. And, uh, I don't know if he had grandchildren, but his children and his donkeys and cattle and sheep and everything else that was in his possession up before, uh, everything was taken away. And it's not like he didn't feel the physical pain of sickness and suffering. And I do understand new and greater covenant. We don't we're not thinking that that's something that we have to contend with. Christ has beaten sin and death and sickness and blah, 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 and all the things. But, again, in this world, we will have trouble. Job had trouble, and it lasted a long time. But despite it lasting a long time, he continued to honor God and worship God. And we know that whether in this life or the next, <coughs> our vindication will come. And the Lord is perfectly just and perfectly fair. And time doesn't matter. So we just keep going. We just keep rolling. Just hopefully not rolling our truck, which is what I did. Anyway, so that's that's kind of what has been on my mind. That's uh, what I've been thinking about. If this has been helpful for you, I'm glad. If you are mad about the conversation and would like to engage me more about that, I'm open to two-way dialogue. You can feel free to email me at thecricketandtheking at gmail.com. Uh, cricket is spelt with a K. Um... Yeah, feel free to comment. Thanks for listening to my little rant. I hope this has been helpful. Stay in the Bible. Stay uh, in communication with the Lord, which is also known as prayer. Uh, stay safe. Don't roll your trucks on the highways. And, and uh, yeah, keep a, keep a broad perspective. Um, the problems in the past will be the problems of the present and future. And Jesus is the answer to all of them, as I stated previously. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. I will see you people later when I post more stuff. (laughs) Bye.